0: Uh, This morning, we'll start a new chapter in Ruth. uh, We've gone through chapter 1. This morning, we'll be starting with chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We'll be speaking on the topic, the dawning of grace. Grace the dawning of grace. And here in this important passage, the author is going to set the stage for what he's going to say in the rest of the book. And we'll find three uh, three thoughts in our text, Uh, three thoughts, the possibility of grace. We'll see that in verse one, as we are introduced to Boaz, the need for grace, verse two, See Naomi and Ruth in their desperate situation and the opportunity for grace, verses 3 through 7. Ruth, as the author said, happens to find herself in the field of Boaz. So look with me at Ruth chapter 2 verses one through seven this is God's Word now Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi let me go to the field and glean among the ears Of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman. Who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab? She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Again, this is God's holy word given to us for our spiritual benefit so that we may glorify him and that we may enjoy him forever. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that God's sovereignty, and his providential hand is at work in your life. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Do this reality shape the way you live your life? Romans 8, 28 says, we know, we know. Do you know this? We know. That for those who love God, all things, big things, little things, things not so pleasant, things that are a blessing. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose you know beloved it's not always apparent to us that god is working for our good isn't it you experience trials and troubles and tribulations of life it's not always apparent that god's providential hand that that he is at work providentially in our in our lives for our good and 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 for his glory But the book of Ruth, it helps us. It it gives us really, it's almost like reading a newspaper where you open it up and you see the news. As we read this book of Ruth, it it opens up the life of this family. This family that uh, has experienced loss, tragic loss. We know Naomi has lost her husband. We know Ruth has lost her husband. A tragedy. and, and, and But behind the scenes, the author is, is, is hinting at God's hidden providential hand, that God is working all things out in their lives for their good and for his glory even though it doesn't seem like that. Remember last week, Naomi couldn't see it. She said God has dealt her a bitter hand. As a matter of fact, because life from her perspective was so difficult, God's uh, hand uh, against her seemed to be so bad that she didn't want to be called naomi anymore she wanted to be called don't call me by my name naomi call me bitter this is how I like this is my perspective this is how my life is this is how my life is defined it's defined as bitter and the author laying all this out he 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 is he remember we we looked at some things that identified God's hidden hand of providence. Uh, we saw that Naomi, even though she had lost her husband, she was uh she had her daughter-in-laws to care for her, Arthur and Ruth. Remember that? But that's God's providential hand. We also saw that the word came back from it, uh, the word came from bethlehem that there was food in bethlehem somehow that word got to naomi that's god's providential hand and we saw that naomi uh, she made a choice and said oh there's bread in bethlehem i'm going back to bethlehem and Oprah and ruth uh, they, they decided to go with her. And remember, Naomi is trying to convince them not to go. And Ruth, she is undeterred. She said, I'm going. You can't stop me from going. And so they journey from Moab. Remember, we said it was about 50 to 75 miles journey, steep terrain, two women, two widows traveling by themselves, 75 miles, and they, and, it, and they made it to Bethlehem safely. The hidden, providential hand of God. Naomi didn't see this. So they arrived at Bethlehem. And what is happening in Bethlehem? It's the beginning of the barley harvest. Two widows, threatened with, the, with, with, with being poor and going hungry, they arrived in the house of bread, Bethlehem, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Naomi didn't see all of this. But the author is a good storyteller. He's helping us. He put all of these points in there, all of these things in there for us to think. And to see God is really at work. God is at work. And in our story today. Ruth will meet Boaz. The channel of God's grace for her. And Ruth, she meets him in the fields. God's grace meets us in the ordinary, in our struggles, in our challenges. God's grace meets us in the ordinary, and that's what we'll see here in our passion. And this should give us hope uh, as we encounter life uh, ahead of us, that that we can't determine what's going to happen, what's around the corner. Our hope is this is that God, whatever challenge we face, God is going to meet us with his grace. There, y'all need to write that one down right there. Whatever challenge we face, God is go, is there to meet us with his grace. And we'll see, you know, the, the stage is being set and we'll see the possibility of grace in verse one. Look at verse one with me. <clears throat> of chapter 2 verse 1 now Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz we are now introduced to Boaz chapter 1 we didn't hear anything about, about Boaz now we are introduced to Boaz and in some possible way this is this is why the the author at the at the beginning here he introduces boaz give us a, a short introduction to him one verse right here at the beginning. and he does this so that we can now as we read the story we we should be asking in our minds is boaz some in some way a part of god's gracious Provision for Naomi and Ruth, because he gives us a, a short introduction to Boaz, and, and we see here that Boaz is a relative, and in, in the Hebrew is uh, the, the, a relative, or in the Hebrew is an, an acquaintance of Naomi's deceased husband. And we we are not told what family relations uh, are between Elimelech and boaz we're not told whether they're close closely related or anything like that all we know is is that boaz is somehow related to eliminate and notice what is said about boaz he is a a worthy man a, a worthy man john, john Currid helps us here to understand what it is what is meant here by a worthy man. He says, quote, the word worthy can refer to wealth, but it often can mean integrity, valor, and honor. His character was confirmed by the meaning of his name. In him is strength. Boaz' name means in him is strength here it goes on and says later when boaz's great-grandson great-great-grandson solomon built the temple in jerusalem he called one of the foundational pillars of the edifice boaz one of the structures one of the there was two pillars one of them he named boaz a structure solid it holds up the building this is in first kings chapter 7 verse 21 the man boaz uh curate goes on and says the man boaz and the pillar of the same name shared similar characteristics one was a pillar in bethlehem upholding the community and the other was a pillar in the temple upholding the monumental structure end quote so with this we get some insight into boaz's character he's a he's a he's a pillar of the community and and we see with this this is a glimmer of hope this is this is a glimmer of hope and in the midst of, of, of tragedy, in the midst of, of, of uncertainty, this is a glimmer of hope for Naomi and Ru, but we don't know how yet. He doesn't tell us yet. The, the vagueness of the, the info, it it it, it is it, it is vague because the author is raising our interest, making us kind of sit up in our chair and, and pay attention because it's getting interesting. This is a good story. Something is about to happen. He's drawing us in uh, again, as he did in chapter one. He's drawing us uh, again in to see the hidden providence of God's grace at work in the background in the ordinary lives of Naomi and Ruth. He's drawing us in. He's getting our attention again. The need for grace, the need for grace. We see this in verse two. Before I go on, I want to make sure that I I do mention here. We are introduced to all of these characters, but there is only one main character in this story. It's the one who is in the background. It is almighty God. He is the main character, even though he doesn't speak. We don't hear a word from him in a sense, but he is the main character. He is in the background. He's doing and initiating all the activity. So keep that in mind. The need for grace in verse two, Ruth and Naomi came to to Bethlehem. Uh, At the beginning of the barley harvest, Uh, Ruth and Naomi are widows. They are in desperate need. And the first thing that is recorded of Ruth doing is that she volunteers to go and glean. Look at verse number two, and it says, and Ruth. So we've been introduced to Boaz. Now we're going to be introduced more to the character Ruth the Moabite. Verse two, and Ruth, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. Throughout this book, we we will be constantly reminded that Ruth is a Moabite. Keep that in mind. Ruth is a Moabite. The author doesn't want us to forget that important detail because it helps us to understand her position as an outsider. Ruth is an outsider. She was at one time in among the people who were enemies of God. Sounds like us for salvation does. We were enemies of God. And Ruth as an outsider, now she is in need of grace. Well, we all need grace, don't we? Ruth is the root the moabite is in need of grace now here we see Ruth the moabite we see her loyalty remember that she had told naomi that wherever she goes she wanted to be there wherever naomi was and we see here in the text that ruth ruth the moabite loyalty and devotion to naomi her Jewish mother, you got a Moabite who used to be an enemy of God, who is loyal, continually loyal and devoted to her Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi. And we see that her devotion extended beyond the land of Moab. That's what the author is showing us here. She just wasn't devoted to her in her homeland, Moab. Her devotion continues in Judah, in Bethlehem, and, and and we see here neatness and humility from this outsider and foreigner, Mo uh, Ruth the Moabite. She asks Naomi. She asks her for permission to take advantage of the means that Yahweh had instituted to provide for the poor among his people. God God gave provisions in his law, and we'll look at that here in a minute, in his law for those who were widowed and those who were poor. He He gave provisions so that they would be taken care of. And here, Ruth, the Moabite, uh, asked Naomi, her Jewish mother-in-law uh, for permission to take advantage of Yahweh's, this woman been changed, of Yahweh's, remember she used to serve pagan gods, she, she asked for permission to take advantage of Yahweh's instituted providential means for Taking care of the poor among his people. Somehow Ruth knew about God's gracious provision for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the and the foreigner. Somehow she knew about that. That's God's providential hand. In God's law, the law allowed allowed the poor, particularly during the harvest time uh, we, that that we're dealing with in our text the law allowed the poor the right to glean in the fields according to the law a farmer must only glean uh, glean and reap his fields once during the harvest he wasn't to strip it bare he was to leave a little something around the edges of the field he 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 was to harvest the grain and leave some unharvested grain On the edges of the field. Turn to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19. And we'll see this. Leviticus 19 verses 9 to 10. God had provided means for people like Ruth beforehand to be taken care of. Leviticus 19 verses 9 through 10. And here it uh, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not, this is a command, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Meaning that there are some remaining Something you know, some of the stuff may have fell off the cart, something like that. They've taken what they've harvested. They've gone and and taken that, and, but there's some stuff that that is remain. He said, "Don't don't gather that." He says, "And you shall not strip your vineyard bare; neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord Yahweh." Your God. Uh, turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. God's providential hand at work through his law. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. And it says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right up to his edge neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest you shall look what it says leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. sojourner i am the lord your god turn to deuteronomy chapter 24 deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 19 Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 22. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget, right? Look, look, look what he says. And when you reap a harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourn, the fatherless, the widow, That the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. This is God's way of providing for the poor and the needy, allowing them to come to the fields to sustain themselves. Ruth knows this. Ruth, I should say Ruth the Moabite, knows this and she asked for permission to go and to glean over the fields for the leftovers. If you were paying attention to what was being commanded, one of the things that were required was not only to leave, you know, these, the the edges of the field and, and whatever, that failed, leave that, let it remain. Not only that, but the those who were in need needed to work to get it. <laughs> it wasn't just given to them. They had to go out there and gather it. They had to go out there and work and gather it so that they can be benefited from it. They had to work for what they received. Paul says something similar in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10. He gives, he's talking to the Thessalonian believers. He said, For even when we were with you, Paul and his companions, he said, We would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. If you ain't willing to work, you're gonna starve. That's that that that's God's plan. That's God's design work. You need to work. And if you don't work, don't expect. For you. To be filled. (laughs) God calls us not to be lazy. In other words, so back to our text. Verse two, and Ruth, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Ruth, she knew what was available to her as a widow. What was available to her and Naomi as a widow. But she doesn't presume that she will be allowed to do so. This generation today presume that they're gonna be taken care of. They presume that things are gonna be given to them. I could say more about that. But I know you feel me on that. You need to, you don't presume anything. You need to you need to take initiative. Get out and go do something. But Ruth here, she doesn't presume that she will be allowed to go and glean. She'll ask permission. If you look down at verse seven, she'll she'll ask for permission to go and glean. And and this word favor here, she says, after him in whose sight I shall find favor, Another way to to translate this is is grace, so that I may find grace. Uh, Being a a Moabite, perhaps she knew that some of the people, some of the Jewish people wouldn't extend her this this favor or this grace of God that God has provided in her in his law. Maybe she knew that there would be some who wouldn't provide her the, the opportunity. But what is significant here, I almost started, you know, dancing on this one, because we are studying prayer. What is significant here is back in chapter one. remember Naomi prayed to Yahweh? She prayed to Yahweh, and remember what she prayed to Yahweh? Let's turn back there. She prayed to Yahweh. look back at verse number eight of chapter one. She said, it says, but Naomi said to her two daughters, law daughters-in-law go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you may find rest. Each of you in the house of a husband. Then she kissed him and they lifted up their voices and wept. She prayed that may the Lord deal kindly with you. God is answering. God is going to answer her prayer. God is, is, he's getting ready to answer her prayer. And 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 he's going to show her favor, Yahweh at work behind the scenes is going to show her favor. And Naomi, going back to our text, verse two, and she said, Naomi said to and said to her, "Go, my daughter." Now, now she. She acknowledges that she's a daughter now, and she agreed to root solution to their pro- to their situation, to their the fact that they're widows. Not the opportunity for grace. Look at verse 3. So she she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. We learn here that Ruth is a diligent woman. She takes the initiative to work and to care for herself and for Naomi. She gleaned. Gleaning is simply just gathering the straps and the leftovers after the harvesters have harvested the grain. And she doesn't see this as being below her, as being beneath her, you know, going out and gathering what was left, and sometimes, and young people you have to get this, you have to take advantage of the opportunities that is set in front of you. It may not be what you want, it may not be what you went to college for It, it, it may not be what your mom and dad desire that you do, but if it's something, I'm talking about like work, if it's something. And it'll put food on the table and money in your pocket. Do it. Pray about it, yes. But do it. There are times when you just have to take advantage of the opportunities that are set in front of you, the things that are available to you. And there is no form of work that is beneath you. You got to get that early. There is no form of work that is in our society, that is beneath you to do. There's a, we know that God put Adam in the garden to work and to care for it. And, and so we see that God created us to work, To to, to take the advantage of opportunities Of his grace that is available to us around us. And there is a ABC model when it talking about work and talking about jobs. Now I had to learn this. The, The ABC model. Here it is. A any job. B better job. C career. That's the way it's gonna that's the way it works. You start out, just look for any job. Once you work a job, then and you get get established, look, you, you look for a better job. You get a better job, then you can start looking for a career. <laughs> Y'all might not like that one, but uh there's some there's some truth in that. There, there, there's some truth in that because life is hard. Like life is hard. Things are not going to always go the way that you want them. Now, well, again, I can I can beat that horse, but I'm not. I'll stop right there. But look at verse three. God graciously provides an opportunity for Ruth to work. Verse three, as it continues, it says, and she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. The text says that Ruth happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz. She didn't know who field she was going out to glean in. And she didn't even know the significance of Boaz. She didn't know who he was. And and to an unbeliever, they may read this and say, that's coincidence. But but this is no accident. Again, for believers, there are no coincidences with God. There is no such thing as chance with God. What may appear to be good luck or blind chance in your life is really God's providence. It's really God's providence. I, I can I can give you some stories on this. it's god's providence and you have to see it that way proverbs 16 verse 33 says the lie is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the lord they can roll the dice and whatever they roll whatever decision comes about it's from the lord may seem like chance but it's it's from him and 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 here It's the providence of God that brings Ruth to the very field of a man who is both gracious and qualified to be a kinsman redeemer. We don't even know that he's just building it, building us up to get us. And we're going to see later on that he is the boy as the kinsman redeemer. We don't know that yet, but he's building up the intensity of the story. You see, God's word, is, it is exciting. It's not boring. We see here that God is his sovereign control extends over everything, even the things that seem like chance. In God's perfect timing, not only did Ruth come to Boaz's part of the field, so she came, she gleaned in a field, and the the the, the field was Boaz field. Boaz, the he who is kin to Elimelech. Look at verse 4. It says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. <laughs> the word behold is, is emphatic. It's an emphatic statement of surprise. Behold, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Here, Boaz is reintroduced and we begin to see something of his character. We've we've seen Ruth's character. She's a, 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 a woman who is willing to to do what is necessary. But and now we see Boaz's character. He, he is a godly man. Notice what it says. It says, and and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answer, The Lord bless you. This is boss and his, and his, the, the people that work for him. The boss says, The Lord bless you. And the workers come back and they say, And they, they answer, The Lord bless you. Can you imagine that kind of work environment? Do you pray for such a work environment? The Reformation Heritage Study Bible noted on this verse, it says, Boaz's greeting resembled the blessing of Aaron in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. Boaz was like a priest in his home, a spiritual father even to his workers, it says. We see that Boaz is a spiritual, he's a godly man. He's a pillar of the community who is a godly man. Look at verse five. Then Boaz said to his young men who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? By God's gracious providence, Boaz notices Ruth the Moabite. That's God's hidden hand of providence at work. He notices Ruth. Boaz—he—he must—he's a—he's a working man as well. He—he—he he, he must have come out to the field and check on the work that's being done. He's not shamming, you know. He's not in back at home uh, playing video games. He—he's—he's he's out there checking on the work being done. Look at verse six. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered. She is the young Moabite woman. Notice it keeps calling her the Moabite. Uh, the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Somehow. News about Ruth, the Moabite has spread. The, the servant here calls her the, the young Moabite. But later on, the next verse, Boaz, he ain't going to call her Ruth the Moabite. Look at verse eight. We look at this next week. It says, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Everybody else is calling Ruth the Moabite. Well, Naomi called her her daughter. Now, Boaz calls her daughter everybody else is calling her ruth the moabite but look at verse look at verse number seven she said please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers so she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for short rest we see here ruth's humility She she she's a humble lady. She says, please let me glean and gather. Even though the law gave her the right to glean in the corners of the field, she asked. She asked for permission and she did it respectfully. I think young people can learn something from this. Be respectful. And the chances are good things will happen when you're respectful to people particularly people that you work with, particularly people who are in charge over you. Be respectful. And we also see here that that Ruth, she had a hard work ethic. She, she, she didn't ask for handouts. She didn't ask for any special favors or consideration. Remember, she is gathering grain for her and Naomi. She worked the whole day. With only a short rest. John Piper said in regards to, to Ruth here, he said, quote, she is like another foreign woman who came to Jesus. And he's talking about Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 through 28. Like another foreign woman who came to Jesus and said, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Willing to do what is necessary. But ben- and the, and this, the foreign woman that is mentioned is a Canaanite woman, the woman in Matthew chapter 21, uh, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, is it, uh, Jesus is talking with a Canaanite woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon. Who had no. She wasn't a part of the people of God, had no right or claim upon the favor or blessings of God. And yet, by faith, she pursued it. And Ruth is similar to this lady, John Piper says. A woman of faith, a woman of character, a woman of humility, a woman with a hard work ethic, a woman willing to do what is necessary to be a blessing to others. So we see a lot here in these seven verses by introducing us the author introducing us to boaz and ruth he he and 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 he what he he shows us remember uh naomi and her bitterness he by introducing us to boaz and to ruth the author shows us that although naomi could not see Remember she she said back in Moab on the on the way or on the journey, she said that she didn't have a way to provide husbands for Arthur and Ruth. She didn't have to figure out a way. God is working in the background. <laughs> God is working in the background. Even though she couldn't see a way of supplying a husband for Ruth, she, she couldn't see. The good in her life, God is at work. This is what we're seeing. God is at work. That that this is given to us to encourage us in the blind providence of 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 of, of God in our lives. That 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 we we're to just simply press on and and trust in God and wait on Him because He cares for us. He's going to take care of us, even though we may not see it even though we may suffer even though there may be tragic losses in our life god is at work this is what ruth this book is showing us god is at work even when it gets tough don't be discouraged don't lose hope god is at work god is going to provide a husband for ruth Naomi doesn't have to go and do it. God is going to do it. And the author wants us to see that God is behind everything that happens in this story, just as He is behind everything that happens in your life. You may not see it, but God is at work. Nothing happens in your life, in my life, that does not result from God's work in our Lies. Matthew 10 verses 29 through 30 says are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them they sold for a penny (laughs) and he says and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father one dies and it doesn't die apart from God. God knows God is involved in that Verse 30 says, But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. God's providence reminds us as the people of God that God is in control. This is what Ruth, God is in control. His providence rules over the smallest animals, the sparrows, and even the insignificant details of the numbers of hairs on your head I've lost a couple I have no idea what the number is I don't even, who uh, is sitting around thinking about the number of hairs on their head how many is there nobody's thinking about because that's insignificant but God knows and God is involved in all of that he's involved in the Insignificant details of our lives, and we see God's providence even in His law for the people of Israel. He commanded the poor and the needy to be provided for. If He didn't command it, it would never happen. Widows, the poor, and the needy probably wouldn't get in take, wouldn't would not get uh, get taken care of like they would would have under the law of god under the law of god they gotten taken care of and not only that they the, the widows were protected this is god's care he cared for his people israel he cares for us he cared for those who were needy in israel those who were widows those who had significant loss in their lives he cares for us when we have significant loss in our lives. And lastly, as we are introduced to Boaz and Ruth, we see something of their character, humility, concern for others, a diligent work ethic, faith. These are all things that we should strive to, to emulate in our lives. As the people of God, as husbands, as sons, as wives, as daughters. These are the things that we are to strive to, to uh, implement in our lives. People of integrity, loving people, faithful. And this is only possible because of Christ. Let's bring it home. This is not, we we have no ability in and of ourselves to, to be the people that God desires that we be. We can't do it apart from our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ and the grace that we have available to us in him and the Holy Spirit who indwells us and because of the the blessing of Christ as our Lord, we have peace, we have joy, we can love one another, we can live for god 's glory we're able to put the cares and the concerns of others above our own and beloved, we would not do that apart from Christ and our unity with Christ we'll be selfish. We'll be thinking about ourselves, but praise God that he has not only united us with Christ, but he united us with one another to be a blessing for each other. Amen. Let us pray. Father, your word is so instructive to us. Even as we study. The lives of the different characters that is found throughout the narratives of the Old Testament. Their lives are not just given to us to inquire. Uh, their, Their lives are given to us to be instructive to us. Their lives are a part of your word that is given to us for our benefit. Their lives are examples and provide for us the, uh, the, the, the examples of, of, of what it looks like to, to trust in you. And it gives us hope who, for, for those of us who will experience similar circumstances of needing employment, of losing a spouse, having children and losing a child. These are examples given to encourage us that whatever may take place in our lives, you are holding on to us and you're caring for us. And we are to simply trust in you. And so, Father, thank you for just being, uh, being understanding of who we are. That we need, that we need stories like this. We we need we we need something simple as this story of of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. We need something simple like this so that we can understand something of you. And we thank you. We thank you for understanding us and providing for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.